Hello, and welcome to an exclusive podcast brought to you by VJ Himong, an open access video journal that provides healthcare professionals with trusted, up to date information in the field of hematological oncology. Today, we are joined by three leading experts who address challenging questions in the field of acute lymphoblastic leukemia. Firstly, we spoke with Selena Luger of the University of Pennsylvania, who discusses the main challenges in the management of older patients with ALL and the availability of more tailored and less toxic therapies. I guess there's two challenges in the management of these patients. The first is that they seem to have more aggressive or more difficult to treat disease than the younger patient population. It has a different biology. It's more likely to have complex cytogenetics more likely to be T53 mutated. So it's a more difficult disease. The other is that they are more sensitive to toxicities of the cytotoxic medications that we've traditionally used for ALL therapy, which relies on multi-agent chemotherapy and uh, exposes the patients to a lot of risks of treatment. So although this patient population makes up the minority of patients who have the disease, it makes up the majority of patients who die of complications of its treatment. I think what's really happened over the last several years is the availability of therapies which are much less toxic. Some of them are targeted, such as blinitumab or inotuzumab. Some are not targeted, such as venetoclax, which do not, or targeted against BCL2, but not necessarily in the way that we think of targeted therapy for ALL. And those um, agents do not necessarily work alone as optimal therapy for ALL, but if we use those together with lower doses of chemotherapy or in sequence, uh, such as inotuzumab followed by blinitumumab, which is being studied now upfront for elderly ALL, or mini-hypersivad with inotuzumab um, alternating with blinitumumab, there seems to be excellent outcomes in terms of likelihood of being able to administer full doses of chemotherapy, high likelihood of remission, and very low morbidity and mortality in remission or with initial therapy. And I'd say that the disease that highlights the benefits of the non-cytotoxic therapy the best is probably the Philadelphia chromosome positive leukemia, where we now have data of dasatinib and blinitumab leading to excellent remissions and two-year outcomes. So supporting the non-cytotoxic therapy having um, excellent results in this patient population. Secondly, we are joined by Sarah Tajan from the Children's Hospital of Philadelphia, who outlines the diagnostic testing modalities currently available for Philadelphia chromosome-like ALL. Identifying patients with pH like ALL can be quite uh, tricky. Uh, we have learned that uh, most of the fusions that we see in patients with pH like ALL are cytogenetically cryptic, um, so they can be missed on conventional testing. Uh, we've spent a lot of time, I think, now optimizing um, fish probes um, for some of the major pH like three prime kinase fusion partners. Uh, so genes like CRLF2, JAK2, EPOR, um, and then the various ABLE class fusions involving ABLE1, ABLE2. CSF1R and PDGFR beta. Um, so this is actually a very helpful test modality for identifying these patients, um, at least on initial suspicion, you know, within about a week's time. Um, we've also spent a bunch of time optimizing uh, the potential for flow cytometry of the thymic stromal lymphopoietin or TSLPR surface antigen um, that's encoded by CRLF2 gene. Uh, the CRLF2 gene rearrangements are the most common uh, type of uh, pH like ALL that we see. And that can help us to identify 
patients with potential pH like ALL within about 24 hours. Um, of course, detailed molecular testing is really needed to confirm um, the precise pH like kinase fusion, um, in particular with identification of the five prime uh, partner gene. Um, and so we're using a lot of RNA based um, fusion platforms now to identify the specific kinase fusion involved for these patients. That testing is a little bit uh, more time consuming and takes um, often two to three weeks to identify, um, but is probably uh, the most useful testing modality that we currently have. Um, in pediatrics, we are currently using, at least in North America, something called a low-density microarray screen, or LDA. This helps us to identify patients um, who have a kinase-activated gene expression profile uh, consistent with pH-like ALL. Um, it will also help us to pick up patients with pH-positive ALL and a couple of other subtypes. Um, I will caution the audience that this is really a screening test that we've used in um, the children's oncology group to help us to identify you know, the approximately 15 to 20% of pediatric patients with pH like ALL who merit the more expensive downstream molecular testing. Um, and it's probably not a necessary tool um, for adult patients, for instance, um, but it's, it's really just a, a helpful screen uh, for us in pediatrics because it's uh, quite rapid uh, with a turnaround time of about 48 hours. And it's quite inexpensive at a cost of about 60 US dollars. Finally, David Marks of the University Hospital's Bristol NHS Foundation Trust discusses post-transplant interventions to prevent and treat relapse in patients with ALL. To look at them in, in more detail, if you have a, a person who's uh, about to relapse, uh, you, you have early evidence of, of relapse at, say, the molecular level, the, the first thing you would do is withdraw their immune suppression and in the hope of enhancing a graft versus leukemia effect. The overall evidence is that this is not an effective strategy. Um, you, you may get graft versus host disease. You may get some response in the, the ALL, but it doesn't result in durable control. The next strategy worth considering is giving uh, donor lymphocyte infusions. And we have a bit of data from that, from our um, recently concluded trial, UCAL-14. We, we did about 250 uh, reduced intensity transplants. And for the patients who um, had molecular relapse, we gave them donor lymphocyte infusions. And what we found out in, in you know, moderate numbers of patients is that about half of them responded but again, it was disappointing in terms of long-term control. We had very few long-term survivors. And th this, is not, this is not really new. We've never really felt that donor side infusions produced durable control. The therapy of choice for uh, post-allograph relapse is, is CAR T-cells. So if you're under the age of 26, you know, we have a licensed product, Tistogen Leclacel, that can produce good survival at two years, about 50% disease-free survival. That, unfortunately, leaves people over the age of 26 who do not have a licensed product. There's a number of trials. Um, there's trials of uh, Autolus, of chitin, of Celgene, and hopefully those, those trials will result in you know, CAR T cells coming to the market for that group. There's some data from uh, University of Pennsylvania 
showing efficacy, but there was also uh, more toxicity necessitating fractionating the dose. Another thing to mention is uh, of Philadelphia positive disease using tyrosine kinase inhibitors, and they, they can be very effective therapy. Um, if, you, if you institute um, a TKI at the point of uh, molecular relapse or, of course, give it prophylactically, these are both effective therapies. And, and you know, there's, there, there was a, uh, a German group study showing that. I think the, the other thing to, to mention is uh, second transplant. So this is not something that our group have done very much of because we, we don't really see good evidence for it. Some people are doing it now. Um, you know, you, they use, will use targeted therapies post-transplant and try and get the person back into a molecular mission, then do a second transplant. But we, we really, there really is a paucity of data showing that you can do this and cure patients. In particular, the Jemima group, they haven't published these data, but in, in quite large numbers of patients, they have less than 5% survival. However, you know, with the, with the advent of targeted therapies, it, it's certainly something to consider. Thank you for listening. To keep up to date with the latest Hemonk news, visit vjhemonk.com. And don't forget to follow us on Twitter at vjhemonk to get involved with the conversation. See you next time.